Hi, I'm Jack. And I'm Kevin. This is Good Company in the Car. Can't help it, the girl can't help it. Can't help it, the girl can't help it. She walks by, the mean folks can't even grow. Me on the way to the cops after I told you not to. After I killed my family. It's on TikTok. Yeah, the old lady. I, mean, most, I would hope people would know get the reference we're doing. Uh, uh, uh. So funny. They said kind of an older lady missing a lot of her teeth, just kind of singing along to that. See that really high at a high bit. Underneath it says, "Me on my way to the police after I told you not to try me." Yeah, I've seen this. I've seen several, and it's all like you know. I told him to leave me alone at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you went to the optometrist week before last. What did you discover? Oh, good lord! You were going blind. You were just (laughs) so. This is actually kind of embarrassing, but it's funny. So good company, good company in the car. Listeners, you know that my eyes are garbage, and the miracle. Uh, and you thought you're going to lose your job, and the they're miracle, like, "No, you just the, need contacts." Exactly, the miracle of contacts, glasses, hard contacts, hard, hard glass contacts. The glasses work for like you know, you know, I can use them, but mm-hmm. to see with good clarity, I need my hard, hard because contacts. you have an eye condition that's kind of unique. Because I have keratoconus, and my right eyeballs. Ma- I call it mashed potatoes. It's it's you know it's not it's it's just kind of messed up and stuff. Anyway, I noticed lately that my vision. <laughs> yeah. I noticed lately that my vision got worse. And I was like, because like sometimes on the weekends, I won't wear my contacts. Sometimes I don't put them in, you know, Uh just I only wear them. I I don't like to drive without them. You know, I can drive during the day and with glasses. I will not drive at night without my contacts. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, (laughs) I thought I'm like, I was telling Kevin, my eyes are fucked up. I don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, I finally had an appointment. I, I, I was passed, like, oh, push shots all in your head. A past, a past due appointment to see, because I'm supposed to see the optometrist. Regularly. Regularly. And I don't because I'm lazy. That's the only reason. I'm mm-hmm. just lazy. Oh. So. <laughs> Sorry. What? I said, yep. <laughs> your mom always channels Procrastination. me. Procrastination. Cha- I channel your mom whenever you say that. Proc- she's here yeah, shaking yeah. her finger at you. It's not even necessary. It is, I guess laziness is the right word, it's but it's effort. Word. It's effort. It's, it's the just exact effort. word. So anyway, so I finally got my appointment to see the see my ophthalmologist, and I go in, and I am struggling, people. And you I, slayed in the in the waiting room. You I, slayed in the waiting, waiting room. They loved you there. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, the, the staff loves me. They I think I'm great. I'm in there and I'm doing all, you know, and I get dilated and they poke things in there and they're looking and they're prying and they're, you know, I've got eye light. Don't blink, don't blink, don't blink, yeah. don't blink. Look, 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 look up, look up, yeah. look up. To get the mapping. <laughs> to get Cut the map, to the chase. What did you To get the out? mapping of my eye. So I've been there for, a, I was there and I did all the tests. So I'm like a significant amount of time. I've been there. And they're all kind of like, oh. Looks oh, fine. Oh. You, you no, they're wrong. not saying anything. They're not saying anything they're just like mm, ah. so the doctor the actual doctor sits down in front of me and they put that machine thing in front of my eyes mm-hmm. and literally it's like she sat down looked at one eye looked at the other eye and then leaned back and went you got your contacts in the wrong eyes and i'm like 
What? The prescription she, is different for these the two eyes. The prescriptions are different for my eyes. And and she's like... So you were wearing your left shoe on your right foot all this time. <laughs> yes. And so the funny part about it is, is she's like, you. the blue one goes in your left eye. There's The, 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 the right one is clear and the left one is a slight blue tint to it. No one ever told me that. I did not know that. Yeah. They told me that there was a little R and a little L. Yeah. And I thought, I never occurred to me that I had them in the wrong eyes or I would have <laughs> checked. So, and I, of course, am just like, you idiot. I'm saying to myself, like, oh, I feel so stupid. And she's laughing. She's like, we see it every oh. <laughs> single day. How dramatically did your vision improve? Oh, immediately. Was it like night and day? Yep. She goes, here, they gave me the stuff. I cleaned them, changed uh-huh. eyes, put them back in. You know, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, she goes, there is a slight, you know, it's been time. I need new contact. I need to order new contacts, et cetera, et cetera. She goes, but no, you have no significant luck. That's great. And I was just like, hallelujah. Because I- a few years ago, you were sweating your eyes bad. I thought my, because I, I didn't understand, uh, uh, for, for, those, for those of you who don't have eye issues, some people can wear glasses and it makes all the difference in the world. They have no problem. It corrects all yeah. of their vision issues. It doesn't work for me. No. Even if I wear glasses, they can't make the glasses yeah. to, because the space between your eyeball and the lens is enough to throw off the correction. The, the, the correction. Yeah. So with contacts and I see almost 2020, yeah. almost 2020. When you got those a few years ago, it was a life changer. Oh, it was a life changer. Because you were so worried you were going to be able to do your job. I was like, I can't work. Because, you know, even at work now, I'm like, use... I. This is so horrible. I don't want to adjust the screen because other people, we use each other's screens and stuff like that. I don't want to adjust the screen to make it bigger, so I use a magnifying glass. I just hold a magnifying glass. Well, you have a dream see. of a supervisor. He is really good. Oh, my supervisor. He is yes, so patient with yes. you. He, I don't know. I, I, I say often he's the patience of Job. I don't know how he does it. Especially with me. And, and so. Anyway, well, anyway, so, that so was, that the, was the, the miracle of, gl- of hard contact, contact lenses. lenses. 1940s technology exactly. saved Exactly. Uh, okay. Okay, well, we're going to do one of my favorites because I really like this show and I can take the notes fairly quickly and it leaves enough latitude for His Highness to go and do some research. I think you've got some good stuff for me today, so let's get oh, into who? it. Oh, who? Me? Yes, you. Me? You. You heard that? I got a title now, His <laughs> Highness. Okay, this is Interrogation Raw. Interrogation Raw. Season two. Season two. Episode 12. Episode 12. A Mother's Touch. A Mother's Touch. Right there. That tells you. Yeah, right it there. does. Fucked up it's going to be. It's June 11th, 2013, and we're in Springfield, Missouri, and the Springfield, Missouri Police Department has just received a phone call from a concerned citizen. This is Detective Neil McCamus. On June 11th of 2013, the front desk received an anonymous tip from an individual saying they were suspicious of a couple death-related incidents and an incident where a young woman was hospitalized and was also feared that she was going to pass away. This caller gave the name of the Stouty family. He was suspicious that the mother of the home... Diane Stoudy could have been involved in the deaths of her husband, her son, and now the grave illness of her daughter. So this person thinks that a certain Diane Stoudy might be responsible not only for the death of her husband, but her son as well, and her daughter, who at that very moment was lying critically critically ill in the hospital. 
So the detective goes on the internet, which I think is pretty smart, and he tried to start learning anything he could about these people before he goes in to interrogate them. And we learn a little bit about well, the family. It was an interrogation. It was only an interview. Interview. It right. was an interview at first. There's and a difference. it was like, oh. And that was like, and I get the difference between parole and probation. I always get those confused, yeah, 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 too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a difference. This, she was voluntary. She didn't have a, a lawyer. She'd she get didn't up and go at any time. She didn't think anything was, I'm going to walk right out oh. of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we learned that Diana was very... Very active in her church. I always find that to be a red flag. And she was also a nurse. Now now that's not fair. (laughs) Oh, you know, when you hear it's like, my mom was my best friend. That's a red flag. Uh, Active in the church. (laughs) No, I don't. I don't. I I do not agree with the red flag being active. The people who are active in church and they're good people. It's just a lot of people hide behind it. That's all all I'm going to say. No, wait, 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 wait. Did you know she was the organist? No. I didn't. Another in red flag. In my research, <laughs> yes, she was very active in the in the church. She was the organist. organist. All right. So she played the piano and the organ for the church. Okay. So they had four children. Talking to you, Bonnie Linhart. Her <laughs> her husband is uh, right. I know who that is. Yes. Her husband Mark is a stay at home dad, which is problematic. They have four children. Um, their oldest son Sean, and then their daughter Rachel, then Sarah, and then the youngest. We didn't get their name, and her face was blurred out. I think she just wanted to remain. Because she was probably way underage at that point. I think she was probably like 12. Yeah, she was a teenager. We learned that Mark had died the previous year at 61 of some heart ailment. It wasn't really, it didn't, it was kind of like, we think it was a heart issue, but they're not sure. And they, because we we, we learn, not even through research, but we learn as we listen to the episode, he is a heavy drinker, he's a heavy partier, he does not have a job, Mm -hmm. he's in a band of some sort, and he does a lot, he, the, the word Drug use is said in such a way that it's like he used drugs. Okay, like, you, that, that was an interrogation, is, but you found this that. Is re- that okay. is research. So here's the wife who's working. She's a nurse. She's doing okay. all this other stuff. And he's and just kind of hanging out and he's partying. He's just staying at home. All right. Well, anything, yeah. Sean was only 26, and not too long after his father died, he also died. They said it was epilepsy and heart issues. And again, <laughs> he was on the autism scale okay and he had other physical problems he had seizures and he had stuff like okay this. so this was something that was kind of pre-existing okay so in a weird way the father's death was kind of like well that was he, not so weird he's he's a heavy partier yeah. and he does all this stuff so this heart not unexpected is not yeah it, well it's a it's a surprise it's not yeah and the son has all these physical he's got some problems issues. Okay. issues or whatever you want to call them so when he had this uh seizure seizure it was not a complete surprise, surprise. but it's a little weird and but now, it is a weird, oh yeah, yeah now sarah's in the hospital and she's almost dead and uh, we jump straight to the interview with Diane, and it's kind of rambling, so I'm going to splice out a lot of the pauses and the muffled points and just get to the good stuff. And the interrogator, and I believe it's McManus, McCamus, McManus, listen to me, uh, he did an excellent job of getting yeah, her to he talk. Was on the, he was on the ball. Is it stout? Stouty. Stouty? Okay. I appreciate you being willing to come down and speak with us. You're very helpful on your part. I'm trying to be. Yeah. <laughs> Don't um, know what I can tell you. Well, okay. That's what we're going to try and get figured out. What about you and your husband, Mark? What was your his marriage like? Um, how can I say this? We were still married, but it was not what you call a good marriage. Mm-hmm. Have there been infidelities on either side? He had. He had. 
Did Mark work at all? No. No, he didn't work? No. So, so you were the breadwinner for the for the family. He didn't work, didn't bring them any money for you guys. I was trying to almost portray her as the victim, that maybe Mark was doing things that he should not be doing, and I could sympathize with her. And when Mark died, it was, it was actually a relief. I know Sean and Sarah were very close. They talked a lot together, and I know Sean, he did talk about killing himself, too. Put it really short and sweet. I knew they were drinking antifreeze, and I was so mad at them, I didn't want to take them in. How'd you know they were drinking antifreeze, Diane? They told me. You knew, Diane, that they were drinking antifreeze because you were giving it to them. And I didn't know what else to do. I really didn't. Well, tell me about it, Diane. That's why I'm here to listen. Tell me about it, Diane. Tell me everything that was going on. Just a lot of arguments. Both Sean and Sarah would just basically trash the house. They would do whatever they wanted to do and never helped support or even contribute. And what were you putting it in? Coca-Cola. How much would you put in? Just a little bit. How much is a little bit? So while this interrogate, while this interview is going on, I caught myself. Detective McCamus speaks with the investigators who have a search warrant for the Stouty home, and they are going through the house. And it was kind of ridiculous what they found in the garage because Diane has admitted to using antifree. <laughs> no antifreeze. <laughs> that was from another one. No, no. no. And um, there's a big jug of antifreeze right next to a six pack of Coca Cola just like she said she was doing. And at this point, Jack turns to me and says, we need to taste some antifreeze at some point. I'm like, are you kidding me? I, like, almost none of it could kill you. You're like, I want to see what it tastes like. Because we've done so many antifreeze no, no, no. poisonings. I don't want to, like, make a cocktail. I'm like, I know that animals will lick it, like cats and cats, dogs and yeah. wild animals will lick Jack it up. And Kevin? And I know, yeah, exactly. Jack made him a cocktail. I've heard, I've heard that babies will drink it, or little children uh-huh. will drink it. So I don't want to ingest it. I would. I. I am go. I, if I had some, I would stick my finger in it and touch it against my tongue, I, just out of pure curiosity. curiosity. I because I, if if this many people all we, we've done a lot dozens, of them, on every, dozens of for them. you not to notice that there's any flick because I know it smells sweet. Uh-huh. Like you know, if your car yeah, overheats yeah, yeah. or whatever, yeah. it smells really. It smells like to me. It smells like syrup. It smells yeah. like pancakes. If syrup. I were I would almost do it at every autopsy. No matter what, if the guy had heart disease or whatever, I'd always just check for those crystals because it's so insidious. <laughs> so um, they find the Coke, they find the antifreeze, but one more intriguing thing they find is a journal in Diane's room. But it wasn't hers. It was their second oldest daughter, Rachel's. And Rachel has now come in for an interview. Then one of our crime scene investigators told me that I probably should respond to our evidence room So I immediately went there and he showed me a diary that had been located in Diane's bedroom, but it appeared to be that of Rachel's. It was just another twist in the case that you thought there's no way there can be more. 
So I love the cop speak with McCamus. He says, I should respond to the evidence room, not I should go to the evidence room. He uses cop speak, you yeah, know, like yeah, I yeah. made a telephonic. So I they- want to pause you. Okay. In my research. During the very first interview of the mother, mm-hmm. the one that we that is the basis for this show, yes. the daughter is in another room being interviewed. Oh, that's that technique they do. So they can't get their story together. Correct. And during the course of this interview, she's she's being, I am assuming time-wise that it's going on at the exact same time. Because it's a different detective and she's talking about things that haven't been brought, she's she's not touching on any of the subject matter in the other interview with the the, the guy that's interviewing the mother. This is a different detective. And he's talking to her and talking to her and he's slowly getting little it's all an interview yeah. it's not an interrogation and the inter- i think the time frame on this interview is as close to 48 minutes okay and at about the 36 or 37 minute mark uh-huh. he leaves the room for something and he gets her a blanket or something else and after a few minutes by herself on her phone uh-huh. she breaks down and she is bawling crying uh-huh. and and it kind of in a way it's like if i did not know the other information yeah. i would be like oh you know she's really this Upset. is really this is really i think bothered. her mom might have texted her and said uh you know they got i i've admitted no, no, to no, it. it no no because she's being interviewed by the other detective okay. at this point so the so the detective comes back in with a blanket uh-huh. gives her a blanket and she's wrapped up and they chit chat and when she's talking to this other detective we're, i'm talking about the daughter mm-hmm. not i'm talking right. about I'm not talking about the mother. Right. I'm talking about the daughter. She gets bubbly and kind of eee. Yeah. She doesn't it it is interesting to me how completely she doesn't seem to know anything about anything. Yeah. Like, what's your cell phone number? She doesn't know her personal no, cell phone number. No, she's being too vague. There's, it's, a, there's a bunch of weirdness no. going on. And so at the end of this, I, I checked the time on it uh-huh. and she wholeheartedly bawled for a good 10 to 15 minutes. I don't, I think it was because she knew the jig was up because they, at the, this next interview, McCamus eventually interviews her. And I think it was after the one that you were looking at because she is then in the exact same room that her mother was in. Correct. He puts that journal in front of her. He Correct. says, do you recognize this? She studies it for a good 15 seconds. She's like, oh yeah, I remember this. And uh, it's just very not believable. And I'll, again, I'll splice together the good bits of her interview. So her body language says she's, worried she's trying to cover herself up you say that's how you sit no 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 but she looks like she's trying to protect herself i am never going to question the people who've you know who've really done all of this and all the detectives and all the years but i'm thinking to myself if i was let's say i'm in a restaurant and something goes down Uh and then the next day they come and pull me in and interview me Uh like this happened in this restaurant what do you know I I can't imagine not crossing my arms. Yeah. I can't imagine it, it not. It seemed accusatory. You know, so so I'm not saying that body language isn't a legitimate thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that you if you were sitting talking with your friends for a long period of time, eventually you're going to yeah. cross your arms. You're going I, to cross I, I, your but legs. I, I'm, I see what they're saying, though. Anyway, oh, I do. We lear- oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, I we, do. We learned this from her entries. The investigator wasted no time in bringing that up to Rachel that that entry was extremely suspicious. It's going to be weird when my father isn't here anymore in a couple of months. Right. So she's clearly in cahoots with her mom. Rachel, do you recognize this? Yeah, I remember this. 
What is that? A little journal thing. A journal thing? Whose journal? Mine. Inside the diary, there was an entry that was written long before the passing of both Mark and Sean, where Rachel indicated that she knew that both her father and brother were going to be passing away. It says, it's sad when I realize how my father will pass on in the next two months. What does that mean? And when she looked at that, she turned white. It was almost as if she had seen a ghost. Rachel, whose idea was this? Mom brought it up, and then we discussed, but I remember her searching online, talking about different drinks they could mix with. And you couldn't detect taste. And by poisoning them, the intent was to kill them. Is that correct? Why did you guys want to kill them? Dad was basically a drain on her, on us. He had no concept of money. Sean, I accepted that she wanted him gone, but I really didn't think he was necessary. What about Sarah? More or less, she wasn't going anywhere with her life and that can't remember any other specific things, but just a general frustration and something needs to be done. So her rationale... Wait, 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 sorry, 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 sorry. In my research, do you know who made the call, the anonymous call? No. Okay. In my research, okay. the the anonymous call, the anonymous the tip, tip got this going, was traced back to the minister of their church. Oh, okay. And he has a super bizarro name because I guess he's Brazilian. Okay. And I thought it was Amish the way they they said it because when the when the detective on the video I watched with the daughter, she says his name. He's even like, what kind of name yeah. is that? So the minister of the, the church minister suspected of the her. Church is the one that called in the tip he probably knew her pretty well too yeah. her rationale was that her dad was a deadbeat and had no concept of money she was indifferent to her brother and that was sort of like i got i inferred from what she said that that was more my mom wanted him gone and then her sister's life's going nowhere so they were frustrated with her and then she literally said something needed to be done and it's so pathological and cold-blooded, I can't yeah, fucking stand it. Was, it. it and they show her mugshot, and she, her, she's got absolutely dead eyes. Yeah. So even the investigator was like, she's just emotionally checked out. So Diane and Rachel are charged with two counts of first-degree murder for the deaths of Mark and Sean. And Diane faces the death penalty. I got to tell you something, Rachel. If you'd gotten away with this, when you and your mother started having troubles, you know who's going to be next, Rachel? Rachel. So I don't think she realized how that works. Well, one of the weird things about this family, and I, I, I shouldn't, it, it, I'm not trying to be harsh, but it seemed like all of the children that we are that we meet or mm-hmm. that we see yeah. have some sort of issues well they do the seem oldest, a little odd the others the oldest son's got autism and he's got these he's got these uh, seizures the the daughter the other daughter who just graduated from college has got some sort of issues going on mm-hmm. and i don't know what they yeah. didn't really get into it but when you look at them and it's just it, yeah, it it's doesn't just seem horrifying right. yeah. that this is the way that the mother felt to deal with these issues yes the deal they cut with rachel was if she would testify against her mother she would get 40 years 
and then the possibility of parole. 40 years. Yes. Now, that's not much of a deal when you're 22. Well, but you're it gonna was do that or life. That, and they, so her mother also took a plea deal, take the death penalty off the table, which in Missouri, that's a death penalty state. Right. And she just accepts, she pleaded guilty. She got a life sentence. So that is the story of those two. I know you said you've got some real, real good stuff for me. Well, the... Well, horrible uh, stuff for yeah, me. Yeah. You've got some stuff for me. <laughs> the it was interesting to watch the the interview before she thought because she didn't seem to know anything. She Rachel, didn't, she didn't know when her da- dad died. She didn't know when uh-huh. her brother died. She didn't know, and she was. I'm wondering if that's plausible deniability. Well, but if I just, I'm I I hate to say this because it sounds really harsh by me, but I think that's. She had her issues too. Her, she made casual jokes about, you know, well, she was just so almost checked out, like she yeah. was on drugs or Did something. Did not seem to and understand the gravity of the situation exactly. at all. Exactly. And it was just, it, it was just this level of what I can't find anything on the other daughter now. I can't, I couldn't find anything on the yeah. other daughter. But uh, the 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 fact that the Preacher was the anonymous tip was yeah. a, was a it literally blew my mind for you to be the preacher yeah. of the church and you're like wait a minute and no one else seemed to notice anything about it like no one ever thought anything about that yeah I, it's that has happened in all of the interfree stories you know the kids aren't dropping like flies and no one thinks anything of it yeah I I don't I mean now that you've explained that the husband was more of a partier than you, uh, you yeah. saw and that the uh, both the children I mean you, you have to get them into programs and things you, the solution is not to just kill off your family well, members because they're too. problematic but one of the you know that Monchausen thing uh, antifreeze is used a lot in very small doses in the Monchausen thing is because, it really because it makes them sick but in small super small amounts it's not going to kill them right and I'm under the impression that if you do it and then get somebody ingest antifreeze not too much and then you give them enough time it cleans out it, it doesn't stay in the system i don't think it stays in the oh, system forever we should know that by I now sh- we should as much as many antifreeze murders as we've gone <laughs> so my it was me i did it i gave dad antifreeze and that, that was, was what's her name yeah, yeah, back yeah. in uh rochester yeah and and antifreeze is one of those things that's come up and over and over and over again and it's you're not just, it's the poison just of choice. Leave. Just, but I, I do, I do think that antifreeze poisoning has become so popular. I, I do think people now, the police, the people are just generally aware. It's like this I, seems I, a little weird. Let's right. look, make sure there isn't antifreeze. And, and the statement that you made, the son, the, the father did not have an autopsy. They just yeah. wrote it off as yep. a heart failure or whatever. But the son, only being in his twenties, mm-hmm. he, sh- I believe they should have gone a little. If you're that age, there should be a few more extra tests thrown in there when they're perfectly healthy otherwise yeah i wonder um we saw that one clip and it was uh the the woman was interviewing her in jail she came out she heard, you know she said do right, you feel like right, you should be right. in jail and she's like yes and no and, and it's, it's she's just you know she's completely detached so from her world, she got you know yes. and to draw her daughter into that to be my accomplice you know it's like hey rachel i'm thinking about doing this and I, her daughter does give the impression rachel did give the impression she's got a, an illness the only other thing a mental that, illness uh, the only other thing that that uh, pops up is that during the interview process uh the interrogation process both 
both of them said that it was the both of them initially said well it was the mother who's doing it uh-huh. but that rachel may have done it a time or two uh-huh. and then during the rachel rachel yeah during the rachel interview it turned into she did it every other time so the mother would the mother would make the i'm doing air quotes make the drink mm-hmm. of whatever they were drinking gatorade or soda with coca cola coca cola with antifreeze and then the next time the mother would do it so that it wouldn't always look like well mom's always the one that makes my drinks yeah that was the process throw them off go. the scent so uh, the so creepy. rachel was a willing participant not even a willing she was a partner An she active, was part of it yeah yeah, yeah it's, yeah it's a very messed up tale and yeah i don't know i don't I don't even know how to close this one. Uh, yeah, it's, I it's just, just so to like, be, and, and especially when the, especially when these, as they may seem a little odd or they may have some offness to them, but uh, just you know, like you said, well, this is the third one in the family to die. You're next. Yeah. There's only one other daughter. She's too young to be a problem yet. I'm doing yeah. air quotes again. So. Um, ugh. Uh, we can close it out with, we went to the casino MGM Grand last night, and you didn't get accosted by a drunk 23-year-old. Woo-hoo! So there's, that was good. That's always good, <laughs> yeah. We didn't lose a lot of money, so exactly. thanks for listening. Or warm it. The girl can't have it, she's in love with me.